Hello and welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. Our guests today are two highly gifted, highly educated, and highly motivated professionals, Tondo and Seth Amankwa. Tondo is a graduate of Harvard University, majoring in chemistry. And along with being a mother of three young boys, she is currently doing her PhD in Global Health and International Development at the University of Ottawa. Tondo also speaks six languages, including English and French. Her husband, Seth, has a master's degree in renewable energy and technologies as an electrical engineer and is a director in fiber engineering at ExploreNet. They both come from very humble beginnings in Africa, a continent Mike and I love deeply. Tando and Seth, welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you, Thank for, you for having us. us. So Seth, I want to begin with you. You grew up in the Western African country of Ghana, um, the youngest of five children. And unfortunately, your father was tragically, uh, tragically passed away when you were young. And so your mom, she had to raise on her own as a single mom. She never got remarried, uh, five children. And uh, what was that like for her? It was hard. <laughs> Obviously, in in an African country and like Ghana, you you don't have the government support as a single mother. Um, but she worked so hard to really take care of all of us, the five of us. Um, and one thing about her that you know I'm so blessed to have her as a mother is that she's a woman of faith. She's a woman of prayer, and she has deep faith in the Word of God. Growing up, um, I saw her kneeling and praying every night, every morning, because every day was a battle to survive. Um, and sometimes she, she was not educated. She couldn't read the Bible, but I saw her putting the Bible under her pillow and sleeping over it. She could not read, but she believed every single word that is written in that book. And, and you know, so it became clear to me growing up that my only path to success was to study her through education. So I was really a straight A student. Um, and you know, by the grace of God, I got into a top university in Ghana to study electrical engineering, which is you know, one of the top program in that school. Um, and I, I did so well there. But when it comes to my Christian faith, you know, I did a bare minimum. Um, you couldn't say I'm bad because you know, I follow the rules, I go to church, I return my tithe. But it was a shallow faith. It was just doing the bare minimum um, in, in my Christian journey. So your mom obviously took her faith seriously, but you didn't. When did you start to take your faith seriously? So when I was in Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology reading electrical engineering, you know, I go to church. There's a campus church. And within the campus church, there's this small group called Evangelism Wing. And this is a bunch of guys who meet, study the Word of God, and go around Sabbath afternoon knocking at on doors on campus to study the word with people. So I was really impressed about these guys. And I started to learn more about them. And I just discovered that these guys were reading medicine, pharmacy, electrical, the top programs in the school, and they were top of their class. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how are they doing it? Because there's a stereotype 
misconception during my time that, you know, it's, it's a trade-off. Either you're academically solid and you don't show up for church, or you show up for church all the time, but you are not good academically. And here are a bunch of guys, extremely intelligent, on top of their class, but fully devoted to the cause of God. That was attractive. That was beautiful. And that is where, you know, I started joining them, attending their meeting, you know, going with them and knocking at doors. And guess what happened? When I started studying with people on campus, they challenged my faith. They asked tough questions about my faith. Some of them, I couldn't even answer them. I need to come back and research and learn. And that is where I was able to have that solid faith. Because now my faith is challenged. But the more I learn and search for the answers, the more I saw how beautiful what we believe and how coherent what we believe is. You were very blessed to have friends who were so intelligent, but also so faithful and strong in their faith. And they were challenging your faith and that made your faith grow. So how did that influence grow from that group to the rest of the campus? So by, you know, divine orchestrated plan, majority of those who were in the evangelism wing became the leaders of the campus church. And through prayer, planning, and bringing that passion of studying the Word of God and sharing the Word of God, there was a revival that happened on our campus. We were having a Bible lecture series where we were presenting the Bible in academic hall in a secular university campus, you know, inviting people, you know, like people to come in to, to, to lecture. Um, and the wave, that revival wave, you know, happened outside the boundary of our university. So it started spreading to the other university. And guess what? There were foreign students within our university who were Seventh-day Adventists studying, who came from Liberia and Eritrea and other countries to study who were part of this revolver, and when they left to their home country, they took that power, that fire that was burning in their heart to those countries. And I was invited to preach in Liberia in evangelistic series at the very time of my graduation. <laughs> so during my graduation, you know, people having fun, I was in Liberia, you know, spreading the word of God. Um, then we discovered that God is working something because at the same time that what is happening on campus in the United States, there were other groups who were also passionate about the Word of God and the young people who were hungry to learn and to share. You know, and it was during that encounter and connection that I met this beautiful woman <laughs> during that. So that is how God divinely orchestrated all of this. And I'm so thankful that I was part of that. So you were very focused on, on ministry. What did you notice about Tondo? So I get connected with her. I met her at the airport the first time. And I know we were radical. I know we were passionate. But when I heard her story, it was on another level. Because, you know, she was in Harvard. And, of course, the best university in the world. And, you know, I heard that she took a year off 
to be trained as an evangelist. And that was really the next level, <laughs> right? So I was, you know, immediately was like, I really want to know more about this young lady who is so passionate. But one thing that also make me more interested and in, in order to like work with her was her passion for Africa. You know, her passion to really change the thinking of our young people, empower them and help them not only to succeed spiritually, but also academically and professionally. Um, yeah, so it was really, you know, divine ordained um, that we met I met all these, you know, revival wave that was going on. Um, and I thank God that it ended that way. <laughs> and so, Tanda, you, education was also, top-notch education was also very important for you. And Seth had mentioned that you were blessed to be a student at Harvard University. Can you give us a snapshot of how you ended up there? You know, I guess like him too, I owe a lot to my parents, um, especially my mom. Um, you know, she really instilled a love of learning in my sister and I. She worked um, really, really hard to put us into the best schools um, and really pushed us to study, study, study. And by God's grace, I did very well in school, you know, ended up getting <clears throat> the best grades in the country multiple times at national exams. and. Um, earned myself a scholarship to the United World College, which was the um, the only, I guess at the time, maybe still the only international baccalaureate school in Southern Africa. So I got to do the IB diploma, which at the time and still is very highly regarded as um, for access to universities across the world. And so it was there while I was doing my IB diploma that um, my guidance counselor, I, I never thought about applying to Harvard actually at all, even though I was gifted in school and done well. But he really encouraged me, give it a shot, just try, you've got the grades, you've got the story, just try and apply. So I did, um, and God opened those doors, I guess, with a full scholarship um, to Harvard. Tanda, you came from a very conservative Christian home. How did going to Harvard affect your faith? Honestly, it was a little like being thrown into the deep end. <laughs> um, sort of growing up in, in Swaziland where I grew up um, with my parents, it was, you know, it, back home in Swaziland, there is everyone, there is an assumed belief in God. You, you never challenge or question that. Everyone believes there is a God. We disagree on what we think about that God or how we worship Him, but we all believe that there is a God. And getting to Harvard, it was quite honestly, like I said, being thrown into the deep end because um, I was on a secular campus in one of the most secular cities in the world, Boston, right? Where it's sort of like the, the culture there, well, at least when I was there, is, you know, this is a place where intellectuals thrive and there is no place for biblical faith in such an environment. So it's almost as if you, you're here, you're smart, you're too smart to believe in God. So it really challenged me. It um, definitely ripped the mandate off. Um, and I think God used that experience to really move me from leading on my parents' faith to, I think, owning my faith for myself. So Tando, did God provide you with support for your faith while you were in the midst of all the secularism at Harvard? He did. Um, and God is good in that he always has a thousand ways to provide for us that we really don't know. Because I, I got to Harvard on my first day feeling completely lost, you know, first time in the United States, first time in Boston on this big campus. 
um, got into my room only to find that my roommate was Adventist, you know, so talk about Providence, right? And she, funny story, so she had asked for an Adventist roommate. So here I was, you know, I met her, discovered we're both Adventists, and she took me to church that first Sabbath. So talk about what a blessing it was, you know, to just have that connection right away. Um, and so, you know, it really was through her and the church I attended and campus ministries that God provided me with, with, uh, with a shelter and an anchor. And Tando, at one stage, you almost lost your scholarship to continue studying at Harvard University. Can you tell us how that happened? From being inspired by the students that I, I met um, who were doing campus ministries, I got involved myself. And I think getting involved also forced me to study, you know, my Bible more and to uh, have more answers for the questions that I had. Um, and I ended up, you know, by God's grace, um, leading the founding of our Adventist Christian Fellowship at Harvard. And so I was its first president. And so at the time, um, there was a campus training program in Michigan that was running out on the Michigan Conference. And God impressed upon my heart to apply and take a year off from my studies. But the challenge was that I was on a student scholarship and a student visa, and there was just complications with leaving school and getting a different visa to do this training, um, which put my scholarship in jeopardy. Um, and long story short, you know, God worked a miracle. Um, I, I, I got the visa that I needed. My scholarship was put on hold and reserved for me. I didn't lose it, so I was able to come back and continue. And when I came back, I came back with so much more experience and knowledge and training um, and really fired up to, to do so much more on campus. You know, so God really led with that as well. It was a miracle that God allowed all of that to happen. It really was. It really was. So you graduated from Harvard with your degree and you had countless opportunities. But then you did the unthinkable. God really impressed upon my heart when I was graduating to spend some time in full-time ministry to university campuses. You know, when you look at the university, and I think Seth mentioned this earlier, that reaching the university is such an opportunity to reach the world because you have students from all over the world that are coming to study there. You know, so Harvard, for example, was a, it was a microcosm of the world. We had students from everywhere. And God put on my heart to take, to spend some time in full-time ministry, you know, so instead of taking jobs that I could have had that my friends were walking into with, with their Harvard degrees. I chose to, to work full-time um, in campus ministry as a missionary in Boston with the Michigan Conference as well. So I could talk for hours about the miracles and the Bible studies and the students who were inspired to come to God through that. But God, God really blessed. So Tanda, now you're very active full-time evangelist, preaching and teaching. And in the course of your work, you meet Seth. Did you think that you would ever marry Seth? No. <laughs> no. I mean, at the time, I was, I was very involved in youth ministries like GYC and Alive that, you know, all really sought to inspire young people to 
take their faith more seriously and to serve Jesus. And so I was traveling quite a bit as part of that. Um, I had did missions in so many different countries in Africa, one of which was Ghana. And so I met him on my first trip to Ghana. <laughs> and I'll say the first time I met him, he did not even shake my hand. <laughs> and my first impression was of, of him was he was very stoic, I guess is the word, just very proper, very... So it was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, but, you know, God works in, I guess, yeah, incredible ways. So we, we became friends. Obviously, we did several missions together, and the rest is history, I guess, <laughs> I guess but no. <laughs> so Seth, Tando said it was the first thing from her mind that she was going to marry you. What about you? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> And of course, the, the focus was on mission, mission, mission. Um, but of course, as we, we met, you know, we inspired each other. Um, it seems that we were interested in the same thing. Um, and on mission, our work together kind of argument each other. And the collaboration was really excellent. 26th of August will be our 10th anniversary. Uh, and it's been an amazing journey together. Um, we have three boys. Matthias, Nathan, and Gabriel. I always say that we have a, a disciple, a prophet, and an angel in our house. And um, so I'm so happy the way God uh, make the whole thing uh, come together. And it's been 10 years, an amazing journey that we've been together. Amazing journey. You came to Canada and uh, Tando was doing her master's degree at the time. And you ended up getting work here, like right off the bat. How did that happen? I moved here in less than almost like 48 hours. Um, I got a job, you know, the process, you know, I quite remember when I hit the send button for that resume. Um, I prayed within about six hours, I got a call. Six hours after submitting the resume. Um, and the person says, can you come for an interview? I say, yeah, obviously I can come, but not in the morning because I just moved to this country and I don't even know my parents, right? So maybe in the afternoon I'll set up, get lost, you know, in the afternoon I can't be there. So I got a job in my field within um, 48 hours arriving in this country. And at that time, AFL was so good to me. They helped me, you know, as an engineer, you need to, you know, go through your licensing process. They helped me through all of that. Securing a job in my field was was really, really a miracle. You married now, you're doing missionary work together, you're doing ministerial work together, you doing evangelistic series, you're doing revival series, and then your first son, Matthias, is born, which means gift of God. So can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how that was part of your faith journey? The, so yeah, the pregnancy was going well um, up until 32 weeks when I, I developed um, pregnancy-induced hypertension, which rapidly progressed to preeclampsia. Um, and it was, it came out of the blue, you know, because I, I, I took pretty good care of myself. I mean, I, I eat healthy, I exercise, I run. Even during pregnancy, I was exercising. And even the week before I was diagnosed, I was at the gym, you know. So I kind of looked at my doctor and I was like, where is this coming from? And it's just, it's just one of those things. I had to be induced at 37 weeks because my, my preeclampsia was progressing to HELP syndrome, which is life-threatening. Basically, my liver was starting to, to shut down at the time. And so I just had to deliver the baby. Um, 
when he was born, he wasn't breathing, you know, and so <clears throat> he suffered a hypoxic injury during birth. It just felt like a, a spiral. Um, we had to be airlifted um, from the hospital where he was born. We had to be airlifted to BC Children's Hospital where he was in the NICU. Um, so many monitors connected to him and there was so much going on about um, possible brain injury and just, it was like my world just spun out of control. Um, you're kind of like, God, I, I gave you my youth. I've served you faithfully. Um, what is this? What, what is this all about? Um, and you know, it, it, it's, it's that the initial phase was, you know, he might have a brain injury and then that came back clear. He was perfectly fine. And then just when we thought we were going to take him home, he caught an infection in the hospital. And because he was so little, that infection took up his body, rapidly became sepsis. And so he was on the verge of organ failure, basically. And we were just like, Lord, um, you know, you, 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 it was a crucible, honestly, one of the most challenging faith experiences in our journey. Um, because like I said, you, you've sort of lived a faithful life and then you go through this experience and you wonder, what did I do wrong? Um, but I think sometimes, you know, we, we go through moments like that, not because we've done something wrong or we have sinned or whatever, but we're, we're in a great controversy. And, and sometimes, you know, life throws you a curveball. Um, and I think for me, I have a distinct memory of, of God reminding me of a sermon I had preached at GYC five years back about what it meant to trust God when you couldn't understand where He was leading or what was happening. And I remember I was sitting by my son's bedside in the NICU and that, that sermon came to mind. And it was as if God was saying, you know, you've preached that sermon so many times. Um, can you live it in this moment? Um, because what it means to trust God when you don't know what the outcome might be. I remember the doctors telling us that he may not be able to hear, that he could have disabilities for life, and it was just all this swirling in my brain. Um, how do you trust God when you don't understand and you, you can't see his hand and you're um, you're at the end of your human strength. It's easy to have faith when everything's going well, but it's not faith unless it's faith in the darkest hour. You know, it's, it's when, you're, when you've cried the last tear, um, that that's when God's, God's strength really matters. Our son did recover miraculously again because the doctors looked at him and were like, from, from how bad his numbers were and they just couldn't believe that he made a complete turnaround, you know. And so, we were in in the NICU for almost three months, yeah. And but he made a, it was a miraculous recovery, like I'm saying, because even the doctors were just like shocked, you know, they couldn't believe. But he he was in perfect health. And I remember though, you know, when we're driving home, I know I'm thanking God and praising God for this for his healing. And the question came to mind of like, you know, Tando, would you? still be praising God if he hadn't recovered. We named him Matthias, which means gift of God. And at the time, I don't think we even knew that what a gift it would be. And I, I think about it now. Um, and, you know, it's been 
almost seven years and it's still hard to talk about. But um, we, don't, we don't often think about these painful experiences as a gift. But that's kind of the other thought that comes to me every time I, I look at him still. You know, he's almost seven and it's like all of these experiences we go through, even the really, really trying ones, the ones that um, break our hearts and make us weep in our closets and, and bang our fists at heaven, all these experiences are a gift, you know, and they're a gift because they do bring us closer to God. Because when you, um, when your faith is tested that deeply, there's really nowhere else to turn except God. And it's in those darkest moments when God shows up that we really learn to trust Him. So His name was fitting. We didn't know at the time, but um, God gave us Him and gave us this experience as a gift, really. We don't think of it that way, but, but it is. Um, and so He's a, a living reminder of God's grace to us every day. Amen. Oh. Thank you so much, Tondo and, and Seth. Uh, we've come to the end of our time, unfortunately, together. Um, but before we end, I wonder if I could ask you, Seth, to pray for our viewers. There may be someone right now who's struggling to trust in God. They may be going through something, and uh, they need to put their faith in Him right now. Okay. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to kind of reflect on our life. We have seen your hand, your love, your protection, and your providence in our life. And we are so thankful, Lord, that you have helped us to keep the hope alive. So we want to take this opportunity to pray for those who are listening, that if there is anybody who is struggling and not sure whether the person can trust you, we pray, Lord, that you will touch that person in a very special way and that we will come to the understanding that there are times we cannot see the path but there's one thing that we can understand and that is your heart your heart of love let us hold on to you in our darkest hours in jesus name we pray amen amen, amen. Tundra and Say, thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Canada. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. Friends, we want to help you understand the Bible better and become knowledgeable in your walk with God. Our free offer is our Bible study guides. Our Bible study guides will help you to learn what the Bible teaches and how the Bible has verifiable answers to life's existential questions, practical answers that makes sense and will give you assurance for the present and for the future. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. You too can experience the fullness of life found in the words of Jesus when he said, it is written. And shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. 
Once again, thank you so much for listening.